Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey! We got it! We got it it right this time. Uh, That's for sure. Hey, when you tell me to go, I go. I start the show. That's how this thing works. (laughs) (laughs) So excited. Right right before before John hit record, I started to ask a question, but it was too late. So I have no idea what's going to happen. We're just going to fly by the seat of our pants here. As soon as I hit go live, we're going live. That's how we do things. Uh, but excited to uh, be back again this week to hang out with two of my best friends here, Michael Vogel and Shannon McClung, uh, to talk about all kinds of things uh, going on in the world of geekdom and nerddom as well. We're going to touch on some, uh, what, some uh, uh, dream, uh, some, sorry, some Sandman stories, some uh, National Treasures stories. Uh, we're going to do our little bit of remembrance of Jerry Stiller as we're all massive Seinfeld fans. And then our main topic is going to talk about, you guessed it, uh, that's right, Star Wars and all the big things that are happening for the Mandalorian season. It was too two. big. The story it's was too big. big. We had to keep going. I'm sorry, Jonathan Gabay. I'm sorry. We yeah. tried to come up with another topic. Sorry, JG. It's too big. I'm ready now. And we're going to jump into all of that uh, today and then have some fun. But let's introduce ourselves real quick. For those of you who may be trying our show out for the first time, I am John Roca, writer, producer, and host and runner of the Outlaw Nation YouTube channel that you are currently on or listening to on the podcast network. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor, where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, uh, transmorphing into separate uh, interesting entities. That's what you do. And for Mark Sloan, who's listening to us right now, yes, Michael Vogel got the microphone to work, the lavalier, but unfortunately, Shannon McClung did not. And so we, we had some uh, feedback issues there, Mark Sloan. So put your technical wizardry uh, on display and figure this out for Shannon McClung. Uh, but for me, I'm doing good. I've got my microphone right. Also, what? shout out. <laughs> shout out to Mark Sloan. This is this is what yeah. I love about Geek Buddies. This is what I love about Geek Buddies. We were, I was texting with him this morning as I was like figuring things out with this microphone. And uh, I was like, look, thank God for you being a tech guy because I can talk about Star Wars all day long, but I mm-hmm. am not smart at other things. Yeah. Uh, so this is the great thing about Geek Buddies is everyone's helping out in their own way to make the show as awesome as possible. So thank you, Mark. And just, another thing about Geek Buddies, that Mark Sloan bequeathed uh, some lavalier mics to me and Mike Vogel. Who yeah. Mark, Mark is a very dear friend of ours that we've known for many years. Also a very loyal fan of the show. He reached out last week and said, it's not fair that Roke is the only one who has a good audio setup. And he gave us some, some mics. So yeah. Mark... Thank you so much. There you go. Um, just repeating everything I just said. Great. Good stuff. Uh, good start. Uh, I enjoy that. We're ready to jump in. I like the maturity of Michael Vogel that he's admitting that he doesn't know some things. That is a great step in the right direction. I personally am very happy that he's reached that level of maturity. 
that he can't admit there are some things he doesn't know. We fall in love with a punch. Yeah, yeah. I am always, I am always willing to admit that admit that I don't know things that I don't know. I just think there's a lot of things that I know. <laughs> That's a fair point. I think it's a very good defense, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited because I just finished interviewing Brian Cox for about 30 minutes uh, for an episode of the Deep Cut on the Outlaw Nation channel, which will be up on this channel soon. He's got a new movie coming out on VOD called Last Moment of Clarity, where we talked about Succession Season 3. We talked about his love of Superman. He's a very big fan of the original Superman movie. Like He mentioned Glenn Ford. He talked about how that death really affected him. Uh, He talks about his favorite movie, and he talks about how he doesn't like Star Wars. So very interesting stuff from Brian Cox and the fact that he might come back as striker or he would love to come back as striker down the road if they ever do an MCU situation with his character Um, and uh, how upset he was to be recast uh, when Danny Houston took over in the third film. So a lot of uh, anyway, that'll drop sometime soon uh, after this episode. But uh, just I'm just on a high because he's one of my favorite actors and. Michael has compared me to him on a couple of occasions, uh, and I didn't get a chance to ask you, him about. I didn't get a chance to ask him about that. You story. do have Brian Cox has this, this those like acting peaks where he really just goes for it to the point where it it seems like it should be too much. Yeah, but you're on the ride with him. Yeah, and that that pretty much sums up my friendship with you over the past <laughs> twenty years. So I I really do feel like there's some strong similarities. The love of the punch. The love of the punch. The love of the punch. Uh, anyway, so uh, I'm excited uh, for that. But anyway, uh, we got a great big show uh, for you all today. Uh, do we start? Where do we start? Who starts? I start? That's what I was asking you before the show started. Oh, right, I don't know. Right. Well, you went right into the show. Yeah, that, 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 was very, that was very Poe Dameron just now, Johnny. Who talks yeah. first? Who first? I talked first. first? You know, you know who's going first? Brian Cox. That's who's going first. That's right. Brian Cox is going first. No, no, no. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, anyway, uh, all right, Melissa, I'll just start. And there was a lot of news uh, that came out. I don't think there's too many graphics today. I wasn't. I didn't have time to get them all squared away. So we're just going to talk. You see our pretty faces. Um, uh, today, uh, uh, or not today, but oh, this weekend, there was uh, news about National Treasure. I wanted to bring it up. I'm a massive fan of the National Treasure series. Uh, it has no business working, but I enjoy those first two films. Very much Nicholas Cage, Diane Kruger, Justin Bartha. I think that's right mm-hmm. as the third person uh, in that trio. Uh, of course, we've had Christopher Plummer, John Voight all be part of this franchise as well. I think for those of you who are big Law and Order people, Anna Parisi, I think was in the first one or the second one. We had Harvey Keitel as well involved in this. So a lot of people have been involved in National Treasure. Well, uh, they've been waiting for a third film for quite some time. Uh, and the producer uh, there, is it uh, Joel Silver? Is it Silver? I think it's that- Bruckheimer, isn't it? Oh, sorry, Jerry Bruckheimer. Bruckheimer yeah. was interviewed. I always forget sometimes. Jerry Bruckheimer was interviewed about the situation, and he said, yes, there is a – he said American Treasure 3, uh, which may be the name they're going with, but National Treasure 3 movie is in the works, and then a National tre- and then a National Treasure Disney Plus TV series is in the works. He said the TV series is going to skew younger, whereas, of course, logically, the National Treasure 3 film will go with Nicolas Cage and, and what happened. And Nicolas Cage was asked in 2016 about it, and he said, I have no idea what's going on. I'd love to do it, but I have no idea what's going on. So this may be something they're working on behind the scenes. And of course, Nick Cage, as he does, he always bubbles up to the surface no matter how many VOD or straight-to-DVD films he does, he always bubbles up to the A-list surface. Uh, and so now with the Tiger King thing, uh, he's now uh, crescendoing again if this National Treasure 3, 3 film gets off the ground because, of course, with production delays and uh, uh, stuff going on with coronavirus, we shall see. But either way, what do you guys think? Are you excited for National Treasure 3? Do you like this franchise? Look, it, to, to me, I mean, I, I love the adventure film where they're yeah. they're on, they're on the they're on the search for for a mysterious MacGuffin. Um, National Treasure just came on Disney Plus, and I and I turned it on the other day, and it's it's harmless fun. It is. Um, I actually liked I liked Book of Secrets more. I mean, maybe mm. it's because I like Ed Harris. Um, but in terms of like a third film, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of past its sell by date. Uh, I don't know if any people are clamoring for a third National Treasure film. Um, That being said, if they make it fantastic, I'll absolutely watch it. Now, in terms of it becoming a Disney Plus series and having sort of a younger cast, I don't know if a National Treasure series, like, I don't know what the name gets you personally. I think if you have a compelling adventure series with a young young group of actors in the lead, I mean, I, I think that would probably 
sell itself, especially if it was made for Disney Plus. But either way, yeah, I mean, on board. Like, I, I love a good, I love a good treasure hunt movie. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mikey? Uh, Do you like this? I have a confession. Uh oh. I've never seen either of the National <laughs> Treasure movies. What? That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> Are you I, right? Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, uh, no, I've, I've never, uh, there are movies that are the exact type of movie that I should have seen. And I don't know why I didn't see them with either of you. It's just yeah. that, that they were movies that just slipped through. I just happened to never go to the theater to see them. Like, I, wow. well, I never saw the first one. So when the second one came out, I was like, well, I'm not going to see it. <clears throat> I was actually scrolling through Disney plus the other day and saw it's there. And I was like, Oh, you know, like while I'm chilling here at home, I should actually probably watch this uh yeah. so i i would like to if there is indeed going to be a third one i will watch the first two and go see it yeah. uh but yeah i don't really have an opinion either way although i do think i disagree a little bit with what shannon said uh regarding the disney plus series just insofar as like although i don't think national treasure as a brand has you know, there's not avid followers that are going to be clamoring for a national treasure series mm-hmm. but i think that when you're looking at brands like if you had an amazing show that had a cool cast of care of young characters who were searching for treasure, uh, going through American history to find the clues, like the whole thing, sure that could sell itself. But if right. you own the brand National Treasure as a company like Disney, uh, there's no reason not to relaunch the brand or continue yeah. the brand in that way. Like making National Treasure sort of a brand in and of itself, uh, you know, by by a similar token had you cast Johnny Depp as a pirate in a cool pirate movie and not called it pirate to the Caribbean, it still would have been a cool movie, Yeah, but that actually did sort of reinvigorate the pirates franchise. So that's something I think that Disney actually is really good at. Uh, Shannon's right. If it's a good story, it's a good story. It'll be great. But if you can call it national treasure, go for it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at the box office of these movies right now, national treasure worldwide made $331 million, a little bit over $331 million. But if you look at national treasure book of secrets, that really did well, $457 million worldwide. So total in total, they made almost $800 million uh, worldwide between two movies. So why wouldn't you do a third one? Why wouldn't you try to see if there's something here to mine? I do think in our time now, where we're so split as Americans and everyone's fighting with each other and political ideologies are crashing into each other constantly every day mask the mask or the unmasked I, I think it's important to remember why this country was founded and the principles and i think national treasure does two things always it educates you about this country and it also gives you a fun action adventure movie to go along with it so maybe there's something they can go after here that is related to a national artifact or an old artifact from our from our country's history that would be also a message about unification a message about you know putting away the, the anger and actually picking up uh each other's hands and and moving forward so maybe that could be an uh, an indirect result of a movie like that and go the disney series i think i'm even more excited about the disney plus series because it feels like kids uh, today or i don't, don't want to sound like an old but it feels like kids that don't have as much respect for the history of the country and how it was founded and all the things that happened beforehand. And so maybe this is a way to kind of like get kids excited about history and American history and the things that have happened in the world and couch it in a fun cast that enjoys discovery. Like librarians, every once in a while I'll watch an episode of librarians. It's fun throwaway stuff, but there is some educational stuff in there. So I think that could be fun with the, with this national treasure stuff. Maybe the plot could be they ha- each week they have to blow up a Confederate statue and find the treasure on the inside. Maybe that would be a good. We were doing so well. We the, were doing the, so well. Could be the arc of the season. Maybe I, I, I was going to say between the Dan Brown movies and National right. Treasure, I'll take National Treasure. I think they're they're way oh, more yeah. fun and way less controversial. <laughs> controversial, but. The, Mike just blew that bridge up. Uh, I guess so, <laughs> so to speak. So to speak. It's in your coffee. A little liquor. What's going they on? Just, they just gotta. They just gotta blow. Not because they're angry. They just need to blow them up to get to the treasure, and then just, there's no more statues. It just happens to be a side effect. I mean, well, that would. Yeah, this, is, good this, this is not a spoiler for National Treasure at all. Um, but the amount of times that they can unroll and roll up a document that <laughs> <laughs> is 250 years old. It's really shocking. So. <laughs> uh-huh. Very true. 
Very true. Yeah, because what was the first one? Declaration of Independence, right? Declaration of Independence, yeah. Yeah, what and was the second one? The second one was the Book of Secrets, and it's connected to uh, Lincoln. Uh, oh. Lincoln somehow. It's, it's connected to the Lincoln assassination. Um, oh. What is what is the desk that's in the Oval Office? That, that is it the Resolute desk? No, the Resolute desk. Yes. Yeah, that's made from the ship. There's it's it's connected somehow to the plot. Wow. And I mean, Nick Cage for all of his craziness. I mean, he does make for a very enjoyable and unconventional uh, action leading man. Yeah. Um, I think the rock is one of the, one of the best modern action films. It is so enjoyable. And a lot of that has to do with Nick Cage's uh, Stanley Goodspeed, someone that has no business being in the field. Ah! Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean... What does that mean? <laughs> um, I agree. I mean, this is one of those rare characters that Cage plays that is very engaging uh, and warm and vulnerable. And he's like, in, and you go along with him because you can sense that he genuinely loves these things and knows how important these artifacts are. And he's not like a jerk about it or anything like that. He's very like caring about what he's doing and he's willing to break these rules and, and do what has to be done to save these artifacts and stop these uh, conspiracies or these plots from coming off. So I enjoy him in this role, maybe more than I enjoy him in most other franchise roles he's done or big movie roles he's done. Cause they're just almost like Cameron Poe and Con Air, like, there's an engage. There's a charming Ooh. vulnerability to him, regardless of what's happening around him. There's a charming vulnerability to Nick Cage in that Nick Cage in that movie. You know, when, when you say what's happening around him, are you talking about I mean, his the hair? hair. What's happening yeah, well, around the hair? Well, the bunny Ooh. stuff and everything like that. You know, but like he's playing a really good character, like a guy you want to cheer for. And I think National Treasure is the same thing. He could be an arrogant, you know, uh, pushy dude who smiles at the end, but throughout he's actually very engaging. Uh, and I, that, that's what makes those movies worth watching, you know. Agreed. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll get news soon when they finally actually do it and lock people down. But like we said, with all the postponements, the delays with production, it'll be a while probably before we get any kind of big news coming out of that. All right, what do we have next? Uh, next, uh, we have some really exciting news. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were talking about comic books that we loved uh, oh, yeah. that you could read while you're in quarantine. And one of the things we brought up was Neil, Gaiman, Neil Gaiman's uh, Sandman series. Um, and if you are not someone who's a comic book person, there is still the opportunity for you to enjoy it. Uh, Neil Gaiman today released on his Twitter uh, the cast list for mm. the Sandman audio, which is going to be available on uh, Audible July 15th. Wow. So basically uh, what they're doing is they're taking the first three volumes of the Sandman series. Yep. Uh, and uh, which include Preludes and Nocturnes, The Doll's House, and Dream Country. Those are the first mm -hmm. three compiled volumes of Sandman. And they're doing this Audible thing, and the cast is pretty awesome. Uh, first of all, as Morpheus, uh, Dream, the main character, is going to be James McAvoy. Wow. Uh, Neil Gaiman will be the narrator. But then you have Riz Ahmed as this character, the Corinthian, uh, Kat Dennings playing uh, Morpheus' dream sister, Death. Uh, mm -hmm. Taron Egerton playing John Constantine uh, for the DC Comics fans. Nice. Uh, Michael Sheen playing Lucifer and uh, Gollum himself, Andy Serkis playing uh, Matthew the Raven, who's kind of dreams sort of uh, right hand Raven. Wow. Um, so it sounds like it's a pretty impressive cast. It's going to be really, really cool. Uh, I'm not necessarily an audible guy. I'm more of like, I love to read books. I don't do a lot of books on audio, but I will absolutely be checking this out. Um, Definitely a cool way to spend some time as, uh, you know, walking or obviously you guys should be listening to Geek Buddies on your walks first and foremost from a podcasting <laughs> standpoint. But once you've listened to us for the week, there's still a lot of time left. And uh, this sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. I'm not sure how many uh, episodes it's going to be. I'm not sure how long it's going to be. Kind of this is all that's been released up to this point. But uh, super, super exciting. Um, so I'm stoked. Yeah. Shan? Yeah. I mean, and and depending on how long it it is before regular production on film and television resumes, this could be something that more, um, more companies might start looking into is, mm -hmm. is recording these sort of celebrity filled uh, uh, audible books uh, for, for uh, you know, these, these really popular works and, and, you know, having James McAvoy, like, I mean, I started reading the Sandman years ago. I, I didn't latch on to it as much. Um, but part of that had to do with the art. I thought he, he was just, he's a little too Tim Burton-y for me. Um, mm. But I will certainly give this Interesting. a listen. Interesting. 
I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying it didn't fit for me. Um, but Audible has been something that I've really <laughs> Audible has been something that I've been leaning on a lot recently. I've listened to a lot of great books on tape. Um, and yeah, I think this this could be what we some of the things that we some of well it, it sounds good. Yeah, you got there. You got there. You, you, stuck, the, you stuck the landing. You, you stuck, stuck the landing, the, Shannon. Yeah. Good job. I I, uh, I get a lot of I'm getting a lot of judgment from Mike, and I can see him on my screen. Oh, so yeah. the more he leans in, saying interesting when I say I don't like I, something. No offense, different strokes for different yeah. folks. Hey, fine. Don't, don't no judge judgment. him. No don't judgment. judge him. You know he has trouble landing the plane, as we can attest. So don't judge him. I am not a very judgmental person about people's creative opinions. I am about people's flying ability. I'll tell you that. Uh, um, but uh, actually, to Shannon's point, uh, one of the you know, like I, uh, we have a lot of friends who work in television and features as executives and writers and producers. And the thing about where we're going is that even once we get out of uh, sort of the quarantine and having to stay at home the world is still going to look very different. People are going to yeah. be wearing masks. Like, like social distancing is still going to be a thing for quite some time. And that's going to make things like shooting a regular movie or a regular TV show, whether that be uh, uh, a sporting event, big crowds uh, in a scene, um, you know, an intimate sex scene, like any of these things where people have to be in close contact with each other, forgetting about just the, the crews and everyone that it takes to shoot a live action thing. Um I, I we all know friends who are working in this stuff right now who are saying it's really hard to figure out what yep. that is going to look like. So it may be quite some time before things get back to normal as far as shooting. So I think Shannon is right. I think we are going to be looking at uh, alternative ways of storytelling and entertainment for a while. And I do think that if stuff like the Sandman thing, I know Audible's done a lot of other original things. This is the one that I'm probably going to jump onto first and check out. Yeah. Uh, that could be definitely a viable way of doing entertainment for a while. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the idea. I think it's a great cast list to be honest with you and go on the heels of, or not heels, but rather as a precursor for what we're going to get on that HBO series. I mean, that excites me on so many levels as like, well. Is it HBO or is it Netflix? Is oh, it sorry. Netflix? Netflix. Sorry. Netflix. Yeah. Uh, series that excites me as well. This is like a taste, right? Yeah. I, I wonder, Mike, though, like, and uh, Shannon, of course, as well. Um, it's a comic book, so a lot of the comic book work is done by the panels. So, are we going to get descriptions well, by Neil Gaiman of the panels that we're looking at as these actors are are, are saying their lines? What are we going to get? So the uh, the announcement did say uh, that they are he's working with uh, Dirk Mags, I believe okay. his name is. I'm okay. trying to I'm trying to find the full name here, but uh, it's the same person that did adaptations of uh, Anansi Boys, Neverwhere, Good Omens, and Stardust. So oh, this okay. is someone who's adapted Neil's work before. Now, granted, most yeah. of those are novelizations and not necessarily right. comics. So you are right, but this person is someone who has a long history of taking. Uh, Neil's specific type of storytelling and adapting mm -hmm. it. So it will be interesting. I mean, look, those Preludes, Nocturnes, Doll's House, and uh, whatever the third one was that I just uh, named. Uh, and the third, dream, yeah, Dreamscapes. Okay. Uh, those are sprawling stories with tons yep. of characters that go lots and lots of places. So it will be really interesting to see how they adapt all of that. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It, it may yeah. it may work. It may be. Uh, I don't think it's fully the same way that I don't think listening to a book on Audible is quite the same as reading it actually in person. Yeah. Um, I think that hopefully people who listen to if this is your introduction to Sandman, you'll listen to this and it'll encourage you to go read it because I think Johnny is right. I think, uh, you know, looking at the panels and seeing the art is a big part of the experience. But uh, but it's definitely a good way to tell the story. So we will see how it goes. Yeah, I think in the compendium, they they wrote it out as like a novelization. So I think there is a novelization that is available, but still that it's nice to know that at least, you know, this has kind of worked itself out a little bit and we'll get uh, some nice uh, um, audio version of this for us to enjoy. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. And like you, Mikey, I don't do the audible stuff. So uh, it would maybe to try the, maybe as a free trial, this will be the one I do for a free trial for sure. 
because yeah. uh, it'd be enjoyable to listen to. Uh, all right, we'll see what happens. But great cast list, excited about this. And uh, like, you know, I should go buy those. I should just buy the whole thing and just enjoy it all over again. Because it is, it's like Watchmen level, Dark Knight Returns level. It belongs in that conversation as some of the You know greatest. what, John? I agree with you. You really know a lot about comics. You really seem to have your finger on the pulse. You're a tastemaker. You've got good taste. I like the cut of your gym. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong? Why'd you flipping out over there? Uh, we oh, killed, we killed oh, Shannon. Oh, because he didn't like Sandman. He doesn't like Sandman. He didn't work for him. Oh, hey, I didn't say no judgment on Shannon. No judgment no. on Shannon. I'm just saying that you, yeah, 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 are very seem very wise. Yes, you seem very wise. Thank you. Thank you. We're there's, above Shannon. That's for sure. There's a thing that uh, our listeners might have caught on to at this point, a year in. But whenever Mike says or starts off a statement with you're not wrong but what uh-huh. he's saying is you are very wrong. wrong you're very wrong yes i true. do not i don't know listen you're not wrong i do do that but i don't think it means what you think it means <laughs> john's getting trigger happy here i'm trying to figure out the right formation i can't figure out the right formation all right let it be you guys for you guys listening, John is just going like crazy, <laughs> changing the boxes that we're talking in. Yeah. So I thought there was a way to make somebody like, um, oh, Shannon, there it is. That's what I was looking for. So uh, when you guys are talking, I can give you center stage uh, wow. when you're going. So, yeah, I was just thinking, trying to figure that out. Okay, now I figured that out. Thank you for putting up with me. All right. Uh, what's our last uh, our last story here? Our, our last geek news item of the week is a, is, is a sad one. Um, yeah. On, on uh, May 11th, we actually lost Jerry Stiller, who he is the father of Ben Stiller. A lot of our a lot of our audience might know him as the great Frank Costanza from Seinfeld. He was on King of Queens, did a yeah. bunch of voice work. Uh, his acting career dates all the way back to the late fifties. Um, he, he's one of those characters. And, and again, I'm probably mainly going to talk about Frank Costanza. Uh, <laughs> just one of those characters that is so incredibly funny and just, uh, really a shame. Like he was 92 years old. He did pass away of natural causes. So, um, you know, nothing, nothing terrible, like, you know, COVID-19 or anything, right, right, but, right. uh, but just a really, Really, really funny, funny performer in all of the interviews um, where people have, have spoken about him very warmly. It's just what a great guy he was. So incredibly, uh, so incredibly nice and friendly and a yeah. pleasure to work with. Um, amongst the three of us, we love Seinfeld. Uh, we, we love Frank Costanza. He's, mm. he's, he, all of his gift forms we use <laughs> very liberally. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really sad to see that, that we lost this guy, but, uh, gentlemen, any, any final words for Mr. Jerry Stiller? Uh, so you saying you want a piece of me? <laughs> you want a piece of me? You, you got, got it. <laughs> I, I will. I mean, I will, like Jerry Stiller has done a lot of great stuff in his life. Obviously, um, uh, you know he's he's had a very very long, very awesome career. Great family. Uh, you know he 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 lived a really good life. But I do think you are right. I think for us personally, I think the bond that we've all had for years now just watching Seinfeld episodes over and over and over and over again and being able to quote Frank Costanza on many an occasion uh it's it yeah definitely it 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 (laughs) it hit me harder than I thought it was going to hit me when I read that news (laughs) yeah I will say this one of the um one of the uh first inclinations that I knew I was with the right woman finally in my life was we were in the kitchen one day making something and I said, I moved her out of the way to put a dish in the dishwasher. And she moved away. She goes, you want a piece of me? You want a piece of me, old man? You got it. And so she came and I just, I had no idea she knew about Seinfeld. I had no idea she knew about uh, Jerry Stiller and about uh, uh, Frank Costanza. But that just kind of solidified why I always enjoy being around her. Just so surprising. Seinfeld is so great. It crosses so many different um what do you call that? Uh, so many different ages, so many different generations, so many different people can enjoy this from like 80 years old mm-hmm. to like 15 or 10 years old. They can enjoy the humor in these episodes and what Jerry Stiller brought to that character. And he talked about this, that when he first started doing it, they had another person cast and they had fired that person. And Jerry came in and took his spot. 
and was actually initially he was directed to be subservient to I forget the actress's name who plays uh, Estelle, uh, Estelle Harris. Estelle Harris, subservient to Estelle Harris, and basically a browbeaten husband. And George is just an <laughs> extension of that, right? Uh, uh, as their son. But he, after the fourth day of shooting, because he sensed that he might get fired from this, he said to Larry David, let me do it my way. And when he yelled back at her about the cooking, <laughs> like that was the moment that everything changed. And they that was the where the character was born. Because he said, because of course, he's so, um, he'd had years with Ann Mira, his wife, you know, Jerry Stiller's mom, who's also a very accomplished comedian and actress. Uh, he had years with her. So the chemistry was always there with a female performer. It was where, where, where can I play off this? That's the funniest. And that's what he created. And it's, I mean, Festivus, for God's sakes, um, you know, there's so many great things, you know, serenity. Now there's so many great moments. <laughs> the airing Frank, of the, the airing of the grievances. The airs of the grievances. <laughs> How could you trade? How could you trade Jay Buda? You know all of that stuff just works so well uh, with him and with with and then of course he carried that on to King of Queens and was just as effective in King of Queens as Leah Remini's dad and of course a foil to uh, Kevin James most of the time on the show. You know it just it's it's shot it's always great uh, and a little bit shocking when an, an actor kind of gets discovered that late in life. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. He's had years of work in comedy and was certainly a comics comic, but being discovered by the main pop, uh, the mainstream culture, that doesn't usually happen to a lot of people late in life. And uh, Jerry Stiller was one of those that deserved it. Uh, and his son, of course, is, you know, super successful doing all the things that he does, but it all comes out of, you know, the being uh, maybe mentored to a degree by Jerry Stiller. So it's, it's a, it's a terrible loss for all of us because we won't get to see him play around and do stuff. But of course, 92 is a good age to go. Like 92 is enough. You've got a legacy. People will always remember you. And, uh, you know, uh, so many great tributes poured in Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus posting that, um, uh, uh, blooper from that scene in the it, in the right and and our so, friend Rebecca McFarland is in that yes. scene. <laughs> our friend Rebecca, uh, our friend Rebecca, our friend Rebecca McFarland is the uh, is the woman who's in that scene trying really hard not, not to crack up <laughs> as as Jerry Stiller and uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus are dying. I think that blooper uh, of of all the things that I love about Seinfeld, the blooper yeah. of Frank and Elaine yelling at each other at the police department. Oh is actually like it's the uncontrollable laughter it's like yeah. not being able to not being able to get through the lines because Jerry Stiller is making you laugh so hard one of my favorite <laughs> things in all time of television right. hands down and, and and to be clear that blooper is 100% on Julia Louis-Dreyfus oh yeah totally <laughs> Jerry Stiller he's nailing his lines every time <laughs> <laughs> he's not breaking once well you know Jesse is Jason Alexander's rolling all over the floor laughing so hard and Julia Louis-Dreyfus is trying to keep it in i love what you like you say it one more time, just you know. <laughs> what so, the uh, hell does that? Watch, <laughs> would you want it to me? I will drop you like a bag of dirt. I, I, <laughs> all of what that. a piece of me! <laughs> oh god! Oh god! You know, but you know, oh. we—that's the great thing. We'll be able to go back and enjoy Jerry Stiller's work for years, years, and hopefully uh, many, many decades to come. Uh, you know, passing it on, and people discover Seinfeld like they discover the Beatles, like they just discover this whole. Oh my god, this is so. This is a whole series, and they go and discover and enjoy it. So. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, there we go. Uh, that was our, uh, you know, a little bit of a tribute to Jerry Stiller, the unfortunate passing of him. But of course, he leaves with so much love uh, from the world. Oh, can I ask? Add one more story. This is very interesting. I wanted to add this earlier. Mark Andreco, a friend of uh, uh, Mike and I. I don't know if Shannon knows Mark, uh, but Mark posted a really sweet story in Facebook, and I hope I get it right. Uh, the uh, general overall facts, right? He uh, was working with Jerry Stiller on a movie. I think uh, either Mark was a consultant or was a writer on the movie. Uh, him and Jerry Stiller got talking about comic books and Jerry mentioned to him how when Jerry was younger, he stole a comic book from a five and dime, brought it to school, regaled the kids with the stories, like read the comic book out loud to all the kids, but then felt bad and went back to that five and dime after class or after school that day and returned the comic because he felt terrible about having stolen it uh, and that. So um, uh, apparently something was happening with uh, the, a combo company, I think DC or Marvel, and uh, I, they were um, reissuing these issues 
uh, from way back when. And Andreco remembered which number issue it was and which title it was, went and got the reissue and showed up on set one day and gave the comic book to Jerry Stiller. And apparently Stiller just froze and started to cry and told him thank you. And he hugged him. uh, And he he said, and Draco was scared at first. He thought, oh my God, he's silent. Is he mad? Because I'm reminding him of the time he stole a comic book. But quite the contrary, it was that uh, Mark had heard him and remembered and brought him the reissue of that comic book that they had done as a tribute to that, to those run of comic books from way back when, uh, and brought it to him. And he apparently hugged him and he said, how could I be mad at you? This You've brought joy. You've made me a kid again. And apparently ran off and sat down and just reread the whole comic from front to back uh, because he was so moved by the story. So uh, moved by the moment. So shout out to our friend, Mark Andreco, man. That is, that is beautiful. I do wish that when Mark had given him the comic before he burst into tears, he just looked at the comic and looked at Mark and said, what the hell does this mean? (laughs) (laughs) That would have have been the topper. That would have been the cherry on top of that story. That's that's awesome. That is is really, really, really super sweet. It's a very sweet thing. And Draco's a good man. Um, All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, and, uh, you know, hear from our sponsors, for those of you who are listening to us on the audio podcast format, uh, and, uh, we'll be right back with our main topic right after this. And we're back. There we go. I like that. I think that's a new thing we're doing. Uh, uh, so we're back with our main topic. And our main topic, sorry, JG, is Star Wars. Uh, we are talking about it because The Mandalorian Season 2 is starting to shape up like Dune. Do you want to roll? Do you want to roll? Do you want to roll? It's starting to become really stacked. All like, these rumors like coming up. It's like Oprah Winfrey is a producer. Yeah, you want a car. Uh, so many people uh, are now supposedly rumored to be part of season two. And these are rumors are coming from some very credible sources. Uh, Slash Film was the latest to report that Katie Sackoff will be reprising the role that she has voiced over on Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, Bo-Katan. She will be now the live action version of Bo-Katan on this. Of course, we that's on the heels of Rosario Dawson being a Sokotano. And then of course, uh, the idea, the uh, news from the Hollywood Reporter that Tamora Morrison will be coming back or will be seen in season two of The Mandalorian. But we, it's rumored to be Boba Fett, but it could be but, Rex, it could be Commander um, Cody, it could I, be any number of things. I was checking, like, I think that, I mean, Deadline, Hollywood Reporter variety, mm. like, I think that the announcements are that Ahsoka Tano, Rosario Dawson, pretty much yep. is confirmed. Right. Uh, Katie Sackhoff reprising Bo-Katan uh, her role from Clone Wars is confirmed and I believe that Tamora Morrison returning as Boba Fett is actually confirmed I might oh, be wrong, I could be wrong about that uh, it still says but... sources in the Hollywood Reporter and Disney nor Lucasfilm has confirmed any of this neither of them have con- the Bo-Katan thing they have not confirmed it um, but they said that all the shooting uh, was done before March and they're in post-production now so it's just leaking out these stories. And there's rumors that Sabine Wren may even make an appearance. But we don't know if Taya Sarkar is going to reprise the role, uh, uh, doing what Katie did, coming out from the microphone, getting in front of the camera to play the character. We don't know who is going to play Sabine Wren, if Sabine Wren, if she's going to appear at all in Mandalorian Season 2. But this is a lot. I mean, because you've got Giancarlo Esposito coming back as Moff Gideon. You've got Gina Carano coming back uh, as her character there. Uh, obviously, us. Uh, uh, us Sorry, uh, obviously uh, Pedro Pascal coming back as Mandalorian, and Carl Weathers. So there's a, this is stacked, and you've got some great directors, Peyton Reed, etc., are involved in it, Robert Rodriguez. But this is stacked. Are you worried? Are you guys excited by this or worried by this? What's your reaction to all of this? Not worried at all. Okay. Not worried at all. I mean, even if they do, I mean, I don't know if they've said how many episodes they're going to do. If if it's like season one, it'll be eight episodes. Um, you know, a lot of these characters could be popping in for one episode, but also all these characters are tied to either the Darksaber and or Mandalore. Yeah. So it right. so it makes sense that they would be involved in some capacity. I mean, I think it was episode six, uh, episode, no, episode five, um, after Ming-Na Wen's character uh, yeah. died. Uh, the gunslinger, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we see that set of boots walk up to her, and, mm. and immediately people are, are like, is it is it Giancarlo Esposito? Is it Boba Fett? Nah, maybe, maybe it's Boba Fett. They are on Tatooine. 
uh, if he hasn't left. But no, I'm I'm totally excited about this. I love the fact that they're they're leaning into the animated world. They're that they're using they're using everything that's still on the table. I think it's awesome. Yeah. So excited. Yeah. What about you, Mike? I I agree with Shannon. I do think that uh, there's always the risk. I, I think that there's I, I'm less worried about it becoming too super crowded because looking at the way the first season of Mandalorian was structured, it does seem like uh, there you know, characters kind of showed up for their episode where they were yeah. featured and then a handful of them kind of came back to stick the landing in the finale in a big way. Right. Um, but they, 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 they spaced those people out. It wasn't like you got halfway through the season and you had too many people in Mando's ship, you know, like it was very much like this focused here, this focused here, this focused here. If anything, I'm worried. Uh, and I, Worried is a strong word. I think they've probably got their shit together. I think they planned this out really well. Yeah. But I'm worried about people being almost disappointed by uh, the amount of screen time some of these characters will get. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that any of these characters are probably going to be in more than one episode, maybe one episode and come back in the big finale. But, like, it still is going to be Mando and Baby Yoda. I'm sorry, the child. Mando and the child story um, is Baby Yoda. But uh, I think people might people are so excited about seeing Boba Fett or Ahsoka mm-hmm. uh, or uh, you know Bo-Katan for to a lesser degree for some of the people who are hardcore fans. Um, so I think that like they might pop in, have their scene go away, and everyone's just going to be like left wanting more. Yeah. Um, but that's a pretty small worry. Like I do think to Shannon's point, it's been amazing to see the way as Filoni sort of has wrapped up season seven of Clone Wars, which we talked about last week in our spoiler review, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, kind of used Star Wars Rebels to kind of continue the story of Ahsoka and Rex and Bo-Katan and Mandalore and the Darksaber itself. And now that Mandalorian is taking all of that into live action and continuing these epic stories, uh, I think is super, super cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm excited about it because they did such a great job with the first series, first season. Um, did I ha- did I think there were a couple of uneven episodes? Yeah, I think there were a couple of uneven episodes. But I mean, finding your feet is part of the first season of any any uh, uh, great show. Is the first season kind of figuring out what works, what doesn't work, who should be in, who should be out, what we should follow, what the storylines are. But I think Shannon, you make a great point. I mean, the dark saber is introduced right at the end of the first season of the Mandalorian. So logically, and the, what the, uh, uh, the the siege of Mandalore, the, the thousands of tears or whatever it is, like that is so heavily referenced in that last episode that of course they're going to go to Mandalore, or of course something's going to be connected with Mandalore. So of course you have Bo Katan, of course you have Boba Fett, but is Bo Katan going to be in flashbacks only? And like they're going to show how he killed her to get the dark saber or that she, she was defeated by him and, he, and she ran off to save her life and he took the dark saber. We don't know. You know, those are those questions yeah, that I think a, we're going to have answered. That's a really good point. I mean, there's no there, we don't know what happened. I mean, mm-hmm. for people who are fans of Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, uh, the dark the dark saber went from pre Vizsla in Death Watch right. to Darth Maul. Uh, to being lost for a long time. And then Sabine Wren found it in Rebels and ended up giving it to Bo-Katan to sort of lead a new Mandalore. Yeah. But that that's where Rebels ended. And we know that there is this purge of Mandalore that happened that was so horrible that all the Mandalorians ended up in sewers and wearing yeah. their masks all the time. And we don't know why. And I do think season two is going to flesh that out. But I think that your suggestion that we might only see her in a uh, flashback and kind of see her at the purge, yeah. that could be. I mean, that might be what her where her story ends. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that you brought up, Johnny, which I do think is interesting is, uh, as I said, all the rumors about Tamora Morrison say he is going to be coming in as Boba Fett. Yeah, uh, I know there's a lot of discussion about whether or not that's true, but it like seems to be that's he's going to fulfill that role because as Clone Wars and Attack of the Clones viewers know, Boba Fett was just a clone that Jango Fett got that was going to age normally. So he right. looked exactly the same as the clones. But kind of to your point, it would be amazing if Tamora Morrison came in to play Boba Fett, which is rumored to be a small role, yeah. and also played an older post-Return of the Jedi Rex. Right, uh, right. That would be, that would be pretty, 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 pretty uh. <laughs> Because what? The Mandalorian takes place about, what, 10, 12 years after Rebels? Five. Five oh, years after Rebels. Rebels. Yeah. Yeah, but we also know we know from the we know from the very end of Rebels kind of the coda at the end that Rex fought in the Battle of Endor. So we yes. know he's around. 
No, no, no. I know that. I'm thinking more uh, um, aesthetically how how you take how he looked in Rebels, Mm -hmm. add Mm -hmm. 10 to 12 years to that. So Rex is going to be an older man. Boba Fett, like we don't know how old he is under under the the mask or what he looked like. We can kind of we can kind of make a guess. And who knows what he went through in the in the belly of the Sarlacc pit. He's probably pretty jacked up looking. Um, Having two Tamora Morrison's on screen. Awesome. If you watched Aquaman, you see the man. The man can play young. The man can play old. Certainly. That's for sure. Um, I wanted to bring up two things to get you guys opinion on this, because I talked about this as I was doing research for mornings with the Allo on Monday about when this news broke, right? That the is because it broke on Friday, late on Friday or the middle of the day on Friday tomorrow, Morrison coming back, possibly Boba Fett. And so my idea is like, okay, so they haven't confirmed it yet. So, um, because they haven't officially said Boba Fett has survived the Sarlacc pit. Because that's essentially what you would have to say. Uh, possibly that he survived the Sarlacc pit. Or the other possibility is there's another person wearing Boba Fett's armor. And I was doing a, a deep dive into this. Connor Vanth is the character, I believe, in the Aftermath trilogy that has been written recently. I think Chuck Wendig wrote that. Or who wrote the Aftermath? I think it was Chuck Wendig. Okay. But either way, th- those are supposed to be canon. And Connor Vanth is a character in all three of those uh, uh, novels, but he doesn't speak. He's remembered by people and he speaks through them like Malik Malakili, who was the, uh, you know, the, the trainer of the Rancor that the Skywalker killed. He's in one of these talking about. Poor Connor guy. Vanth. Huh? Yeah, poor, poor guy. guy just <laughs> loses it and then just cries, cries, lost his pay, lost his baby rancor. Hey man, feel bad for him. You lay down with dog, you get fleas. You know, it's like Jabba. But like this, this. But he, <laughs> according to, and this is according to legends, according to legend stuff, Connor Vanth becomes Boba Fett after the Jawa, uh, Jawas retrieve his Mandalorian armor out of the Sarlacc pit. So he puts it on and he becomes the sheriff of Freetown on Tatooine. On Tatooine. So that's a possibility. The other possibility, which is also deeper in Legends, is they released something in 1996 called Tales from the Jabba's Palace. And one of those tales talks about a female Jedi who gets uh, thrown or, or falls into the Sarlacc pit. And Boba has been there for quite some time. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. This is a female Jedi. They fell into another Sarlacc pit, I think. Uh, and uh, has is being consumed over thousands of years or whatever, but ends up um, connecting uh, uh, mentally with the, so uh, combining together. So it achieves consciousness. The Sarlacc pit achieves consciousness. Then Boba gets caught into that Sarlacc pit and starts to have conversations with this Jedi as the Sarlacc and uh, tricks the Jedi into squeezing the jetpack so hard that it explodes or ignites and shoots him out of the Sarlacc. And so that's how he escapes. So it is in extended canon or extended, sorry, in legends that Boba has either escaped or someone has assumed the mantle of Boba Fett. That being said, those are some deep, deep cuts, but I wonder if they'd be willing to go that deep because obviously anybody could wear the Boba Fett armor and be Boba Fett. My personal guess is that it would be. Uh, Hold on, can we just take a, let's just take a break for a minute after that. It's a very deep dive. I think I need a minute. <laughs> My personal guess is that it would be a no because I think you're at that point you're 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 shifting the focus of the story to this um, epic epic story yeah, yeah. of what happened to Boba Fett after he got after he got thrown into the Sarlacc pit. I'm thinking yeah. that he will be that he will be Boba Fett as he was Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, okay. Because ultimately I, it's still going to be Mando's story. Yeah, okay. I do think that you know as as you were <laughs> as you were uh spinning that yarn. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I uh it made me realize that I know a lot of people were upset. I remember uh, when Lucasfilm and Disney kind of came out and said all of the comics and all the novelizations right. that you've been reading for years are no longer canon. Yeah, uh, that that story pretty much sums up to me why they made those choices. <laughs> I think that there was uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of things that happened. Um, I do think yeah. that I do think they will go back to a much simpler. I think. Look, the fact that Tamora Morrison is coming back. Uh, and is rumored to be Boba Fett kind of negates that it's anybody else. Like if it's Tamora right. Morrison, that's Boba Fett because 
he looks like his dad. Right. Uh, and I think that there's just probably a way simpler, like he got out of the, if we live in a world where granted he was a Sith, but like if we live in a world where Darth Maul can get literally sliced in half and can hold himself together for several years and come back with a vengeance and become an amazing character, I I'm going to buy the fact that Boba can, uh, you know, like that, that, that Jabba exploded and uh, Luke and friends took off on the sail barge and Boba like popped out and made his escape. <laughs> and I'd, I, I way rather have that be the, I got out like, like, like if, you know, you think of like uh, the Taika Waititi and the guys and a lot of the girls that are like directing these, these uh, Mandalorians, yeah. I would much rather have like a fun, awesome, badass throwaway line. Like, didn't you get eaten by the Sarlacc and a yeah. throwaway line that made Boba sound like a badass than a detailed example about the Jedi who made a conscious bond with the Sarlacc pit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and to to Lucas's credit, Lucas felt because he they had apparently written that storyline to be used uh, in some form uh, in the uh, main movies, and Lucas rejected it and said, "No, no, just leave it in the leave it in that in that area of the stories." Uh, but I don't want it on the movies, so you know the possibility it's, was presented to him. It is interesting. I was watching, and everyone should check no, this out. Like no. Disney, Disney has this eight part uh, Disney gallery thing that's a behind the scenes look in Mandalorian. And the yeah. first two episodes are airing, and I think it comes out every Monday or something. But yeah. in the second episode uh, that premiered this week, Filoni a goes on a huge deep oh. dive on why Qui Gon is super essential to Star Wars, which is absolutely right. fascinating. But he also talks about when George made him bring Darth Maul back or, or got him to bring Darth Maul back. And like, he talked about it yeah. and it did get uh, my brother and I were laughing. Like George Lucas twice now has taken super badass characters. Like Boba Fett comes out, empire strikes back. Yeah. Everyone in the world freaks out. Boba Fett's the coolest thing in the world. Oh my God. And then just dies like a chump in the Sarlacc pit. Like just <laughs> boom, right off the bat. And then Darth Maul, there's so much about Darth Maul. Episode one, Darth Maul, Darth Maul, Darth Maul. And then just gets chopped in half. But both of them now, are getting these resurrections and yeah. if they handle Boba as well as they've handled Darth Maul, it's going to really be uh, a great, it's going to be a great trick, like kind of yeah. like resurrecting these characters and giving them new life. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say that I really am loving about all of these discussions is that it really does prove that star Wars is bigger than the Skywalkers. Yes. You know, like, like I love, Luke Skywalker. I will always love Luke Skywalker. And thanks to Clone Wars, I will always love Anakin Skywalker. Right. And the saga of this family and Leia and everything that happens uh, is the is the backbone of what Star Wars is. Right. But as we've sort of rounded things out and ended the Skywalker saga and we're looking ahead to where Star Wars is going to go, it really is just exciting to me that uh, obviously, as we talked tons about with Ahsoka Tano, but even with the history of Mandalore and what happened to them and some of these characters that are being created and baby Yoda and what he is and what he could represent to the future of Star Wars. It's just, it really is amazing that they've managed to move these stories uh, beyond the characters that we've all grew up with and fell in love with and still have created these engaging epic sagas that we're talking about today. Like it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. That's what I like about it. And, and you know, people, because, I mean, remember the long time they were hesitant to move past the Skywalkers. Everything has to revolve around the Skywalkers. But I think the fandom had to mature past those original trilogies, even past the sequel trilogy, and be like, hey, we want something more here than just this family, you know? And I think the reaction to the original, to this, I'm sorry, to the latest trilogy is for the proof that, you know, this was nice. Let's move on. Um, and I, because I think everyone was angry about, yeah, you were angry about how Ray Ray was so good with the Force, but look, everything that they connected back to the original trilogy ended up blowing up in their face, right? Bringing Luke back, people were upset how they brought Luke back. Having Leia use the Force to be Mary Poppins, people were mad about that. Having Ray be a clone of, uh, you know, a granddaughter of Palpatine, people were mad about that. Uh, Chewie getting his damn medal, people were mad about that. Everything where they connected back to the original trilogy they just didn't do it well and also i think the public was done with it so let's move on if you're not getting a, a proper send-off then i think the public wants to completely move on from it and go into the characters that are they can still be around that time but they have their own stories to tell and i i think that's certainly mandalorian proves that uh, if nothing else yeah and i don't think that the public had an issue with what happened but rather 
how it happened. Sure. Um, I mean, who was but it? That's what I mean. Was it was it Maz Kanata who gave Chewie the the medal? Metal? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, only great, upon death, only upon death do you get this medal. Some some people love those moments, sure. and if if that is the case, fantastic. I wish I had experienced the way you did. <laughs> I, I, I just I just didn't happen happen to do that. So yeah, yeah I mean, even when we were talking last week, uh, Star Wars last week, how with with rebels like they were able to find this this other group of characters that existed kind of around the same time yeah. and were just as endearing and just as interesting and and ha- and did become pretty not just as beloved but but could become just as beloved if they were to make the uh leap to the to the big screen where more people would see them well and i think one thing that people who maybe don't watch all the shows and don't know all the nerdy stuff that we know don't realize is that one of the things that Clone Wars the series and Filoni and everybody have sort of built up around the mythos around Mandalorian, which is in some of the older stuff that's no longer canon, but they pulled forward, uh, is this idea that the Mandalorian's armor, the Beskar armor, the weapons they use, the jetpacks, everything that they have was actually designed because they fought the Jedi. Like they used to be the, they used to be one of the only uh, people that could go up against a Jedi and, and hold their own. So what they're kind of doing with all this and with Mandalorian being this first show out of the gate with Disney Plus is they're taking these super awesome badass warriors with all these amazing abilities and skills and elevating them to the point where the Jedi aren't necessarily the only badass game in the galaxy. Like when Boba Fett first came out in Empire Strikes Back, he was a super badass bounty hunter with some slick armor. But they've built an entire race, culture, history timeline around this and even the dark saber itself which moff gideon is you know holding at the end of season one of mandalorian which is obviously with the characters that they're introducing going to play a major role uh was the lightsaber of the only mandalorian jedi yeah so they're 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 really building things out um in a way that i think is super smart in planning for the future that like we said, it's going beyond the Skywalkers, but it's even going to a place that can go beyond just Jedi versus Sith, the light side of the force, the dark side of the force. You're, right. you're adding these other elements that are going to allow you to spin out into other areas uh, and have a Mandalorian Jedi or have Mandalorian versus Jedi or have Mandalorian and Jedi teaming up against Sith. Like there's so many potential things because they are spreading things out, which I think is going to be more so than anything we saw in the new trilogy the stuff that is really going to fuel the Disney star Wars machine for the next several decades. Yeah. It's a great point. I, I agree too. And uh, so, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. Um, it's certainly something that we're all three of us are looking forward to seeing and it's going and it's coming in October. They shot all the principal photography in March. Every they, they said already that they're doing all the post-production remotely. So everyone is on track and on course to still be, uh, uh, ready to go by October 2020. And I know it'll, I mean, like the ratings were great already. If things, uh, you know, like we just had the, the new three month uh, stay at home order, it's going to be initiated by the end of the week. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's just us, though. That's just LA. I feel like we're like, I feel like we were the bad kid in California that's just getting punished and we have to sit in the corner while everybody else goes out onto the playground. It's just like, oh, we're sorry, we're so horrible. I, don't, I disagree with you. I think it's the fact that we're the ones who are being held back because the teacher wants us to live and the other people can go run out there and act like fools and, and jump in the mud and fall off the cliffs or whatever. But he, she actually sees potential for us. So she's keeping us safe. That's what I think is right, is what's happening. I mean, then, you know, I mean the, the statistics on infection don't necessarily line up with your example, but I like your example better so we can go with it. Oh, oh, look at this guy playing both sides of the spectrum. All right, respect. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's great. It's crazy, but whatever. But I mean, you know, by October, uh, people could be incredibly starved for this kind of new content and the ratings could be through the roof for it because already so many subscribers have come on to Disney Plus, uh, you know, to have them uh, be reinforced by this. And I don't know. I don't know where we're at by the time October rolls around. So uh, I like that. Well, it's something for us to look forward to, at least. And that won't be affected by coronavirus at all. So we know it's coming. So we can look forward to it. Um, All right. And one last thing, I think, before we wrap up, the New Mutants got moved to August 28th. Any anything, anything that we're we're never seeing this movie. Right. (laughs) We are. I do you know what I do? I do. 
Do you know what I do find actually interesting about this New Mutants announcement uh, is that I, I Disney is not... I, I understand why Disney is refusing to put Mulan on VOD or put Black right. Widow on VOD. Like Those are big movies. They want those to be the things that drive people back into the theaters when people are allowed to go to the movie theaters again. I am so surprised that with everything happening, they are hell bent on putting new mutants in theaters apparently. Yeah. Like they, like they, like, like you would have thought that once things had to get shifted again, they would have said, well, okay, fine. New mutants is going to be a Disney plus premiere or we're going to put it on VOD or whatever. And they're not, which oddly makes me excited. I have have a few friends. I have a few friends who have friends who have seen the movie and every person who's a friend of a friend who's seen the movie has said it's incredible. Well, so, that's the thing. When it was when it was done, I mean, yeah. 20th Century Foxes, uh, the the powers that be that used to be over there, they made some really questionable decisions with their comic book franchises. Yeah, and to to have a movie come in and then be like, ah, I don't know, maybe it needs this, maybe it needs that. Um, you know, because they didn't really, they didn't do those reshoots that they had rescheduled. Like right. that, that never happened. So the thing that they that they had shot initially, the thing that Josh Boone set out to make, he made. And yeah, I mean, Disney's may see the light and be like, "Hey, listen, this doesn't need whatever you all thought it needed. It doesn't. Like, yeah. let's just put it out. It's a it's a solid product." Yeah, it it yeah. The fact like when I read the announcement, as opposed to there was that initial thing of like, "Oh, poor New Mutants." Like they are just never gonna like this thing. This is the this is the little movie that could like it's just it, it right. should have died so many times it just keeps going. But yeah, the fact that they are still hell bent on a on a on a theater release and actually kind of to your point about Mandalorian season two, I do think that if anything, if Pete, if we are actually going to the movies in August, which God, I hope, since Shannon and I unintentionally tweeted the exact same thing yesterday uh, about about our weird. about our desire to just go sit in a movie theater. Super um, weird, yeah. It, it could work out great, like it with people being so starved for entertainment like this, and this being the X Men franchise and characters that a lot of people really love. Like this could drive people to the movie and make it a much bigger hit than it yep. would have been otherwise. Because this this was a movie that I think for a lot of people was a. Eh, maybe, maybe yeah, we'll yeah. see. But if this is one of the big things that makes it into the theaters by the end of the summers, it's like, yeah, I'll go see anything. Like, yeah. I just want to go be in a movie theater. That's me. I know a lot of people are going to be like, I'm not going into a movie theater or a crowded bar for a very long time, but I will risk the movie theater. Okay. All right. You see, you can always sit all the way in the back. <laughs> you can always do that. Well, yeah, say? Johnny and I like, we like the end. We like the aisle. Oh, do you remember? <laughs> understand how you like the aisle like you're so far to the side like why don't you like just being oh, in the I middle I, like the aisle. I used to sit in the middle remember and now but the aisle is easier as i've gotten older because uh i like to leave as soon as it's done uh and if i got to use a restroom it's a quick I, I hate stepping over people and ruining their movie theater going experience so i think it's better for me to sit me personally sit on the island and, and just be able to do my business come on back and watch the movie i don't i just have that thing in my head it's it's easier the quick exit and the and the uh easy access to the bathroom that makes sense to me at this uh stage of my i life. love <laughs> middle of the theater middle row sitting right in the middle just like taking it in just yeah. taking it in that's what I like. Taking it in. I know you do. Also, also, my bladder is bigger than both of yours, and I can actually hold it. So there's there's also that. That's all that's a story we can tell down the road, too. <laughs> Geek buddies after dark. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's wrap it up here. We're past that hour mark. Thank you all so much for downloading this episode and watching us banter about all these different great geeky topics uh and if you are listening to us on the podcast uh network thank you so much for downloading geek buddies on the podcast network as well we appreciate it madly uh and of course we're always open to hear your thoughts about what you want us to cover what you like about what we covered if you have to correct anything we've said feel free to reach out to us shannon how they do that yeah well before i get into that let me add one quick thing um uh our geek buddy eddie lou friend of the show he was actually in, in silicon valley with me he played my Shadow Doug to Keith yeah. Northeast Regional. He was cast in the uh, reboot of uh, Kung Fu for CW. Oh. And, and that show was picked up. Yes. So Yay. we don't nice. know when it's going to start back up, but he will be, uh, fingers crossed, everything goes back to normal, and Eddie will be on uh, Kung Fu 
this fall or next spring on uh, the CW. Who is he casting That I don't remember. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I texted with him briefly awesome. yesterday to yesterday the day before to say congratulations. Uh, but yes, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MK Tune. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at the Roca says. That's right. Uh, and Mikey. Uh, hey, listen, guys, you're home, you're hanging out, you're socially distancing. What are you going to do? You're going to subscribe below to Johnny's page right here, the Outlaw John Roca. Uh, if you're listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or iTunes, just go take like five minutes, give us some ratings, give us some stars, leave some like really nice comments. Uh, maybe tell Shannon that he should maybe give Sandman another chance. I don't know, like whatever, you, whatever, whatever, just whatever you want. Uh, and look, the more that you uh, do those things, the more we go up in those rankings so that more people find us when they're just searching for geeky stuff. But even more so than that, uh, you know, we've had a lot of you guys, especially on Twitter, uh, other places, you've been retweeting us, you've been telling people how much you've enjoyed the podcast, you've been saying what a great time you have listening to us, uh, and you've been spreading it around on Facebook, on Twitter, on everywhere. Look, there's a lot of really bad things being spread around the globe right now. Like, let's let's infect everybody with something way more positive, a little fun geekiness. Let's go with that. Let's do that. I like everything he said. I like everything he said. Uh, I don't know what more I can add to it. Follow all of us. You see there uh, what we do here on social media. Uh, subscribe. And then uh, that's it. I uh, love all to you. Uh, please stay safe. Wash your hands. Yeah, practice the social distancing. Don't stand in Red Lobster line for three hours waiting for those biscuits. For God's sakes, go make them yourself. Do not get into battles with anybody over the masks, wearing the masks or not wearing the masks. Just be patient, be safe, and take care of yourself and do what you think is best. Uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, man. And uh, this, is a, this is a Nancy Vogel. This is a Nancy Vogel. Uh, my mom sent me this mask. It's a Florida nice. Gators mask. See, you're ready. You, hmm. you can look fashionable. You can look fashionable you while you're uh, being safe right here. Yeah, even if you have a poor choice of schools. Nancy, please send me a Florida State. <laughs> Uh, all right, that's it. Uh, love to all of you. We'll talk to you next time on another brother, another another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.